Good evening, everybody, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Segman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. Hey, Noelle, what's happening? Hey! Let's invite the listeners into uh, (laughs) High Spirits, which is a show in which you and I talk about ghosts and we drink alcohol. Correct. Yeah, what you drinking? Uh, Tonight, I am drinking Ghost Pines. (laughs) <laughs> That's apropos. I know, right? Yeah. It's a um, Cabernet, and it's delicious. Mm. Tonight, I am drinking Antihero IPA. Revolution. Okay. Yeah, nothing exciting. No, that's all right. It's just, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I've been doing a lot of Oktoberfest, and so I kind of had to, like, slow my roll a little bit on that. I've been trying every single Oktoberfest, right. and... Well, tis the season. Tis the season. I will tell you, uh, the Great Lakes Oktoberfest is disgusting. Um, They're not a sponsor, so I can say that. Yeah. Is that the one uh, we tried the other night? Um, No. I just tried it over at Lady okay. Gregory. All right. Um, Old Style has an Oktoberfest. No, they do not. They do, and it's not bad. <laughs> oh, totally going to get that. I bought it. I was like, this is $5 for Shut a sixer. Oh, um, or five ninety nine or something. Into it. Uh, you like your old style though. <laughs> it reminds me of my grandpa. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad, but I'm, I, uh, I prefer, I think the, I want to say, I think the spot in the spot in Oktoberfest oh, is my favorite. Sure. Um, yeah, we, Noah and I were over at the Hop Leaf, uh, the other day and mm-hmm. I was going on a tour of Oktoberfestuses. You were. Yeah. And I was doing a tour of the sours. Yes, that's right. That's right. I'm really into sours right now. Mm-hmm. Sound like a, sound like my brother. I love it. You and I have a totally different beer palette, which is the gozes and the goozes or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Beer stuff. Beer stuff. Beer hey, anything you need to uh, check in with the peeps about or should we just start to look them out? No. I don't think so. Got a case of the sniffles that maybe you want to talk about? I, oh, well, so the pollen in Chicago is high right now due to um, the unseasonably warm weather that we've had this week. And so I've definitely got a case of the sniffles mm-hmm. and the allergies and it's making me crazy. So if Jamaican I... Jamaican me crazy. Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> we so, should be drinking those. Oh my God. We should go to TJ Fridays and get some Jamaican me crazies. <laughs> <laughs> It's just what I need right now. Uh-huh. So uh, apologies in advance if I like am sniffling or sneezing or all kinds of good stuff. Um, yeah, it's your bangs look great. Thank you. It's hot here, and actually today is really nice. Today's but it's chill. Been freaking hot and awful, and I hate it. Yeah, that's all. The end. Go away, warm weather. It's coming back next week. Is oh, it really? Yeah. Climate shift. It's not a thing. Yeah, it is. It's a thing. It's a thing. Stop denying it. It's a thing. Um, speaking of denial, <laughs> I don't know where my segue is going. I, I heard that's a river in Egypt. Oh, no. Dad jokes. How did I know you were going to do that? That was really crazy. Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you, alcohol, for making us basically have the capacity to read each other's minds. What do you got today? I got um, I got the case of the Borley Rectory. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's that's very, a mouthful. The Borley Rectory. Borley, B O R L E Y. Okay, this is and had been known forever as the most haunted house in England. <gasps> cool. Yeah. Okay. You want to do it? Nope. 
<laughs> what would we do then? Uh, but we, we would talk about... Um, uh, we have nothing to talk about. Books. We would probably talk about maybe some of the things that we've been Netflixing. Um, yeah. I haven't really been Netflixing anything lately. No, I've been reading a lot. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of horror films. Yeah. I know that's a departure from the years. We're both super shocked by our behaviors. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like us at all. No, I haven't seen anything that really excites me lately. No. It's a bummer. We'll just talk about this, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I've been okay. reading mostly, like, uh, nonfiction liberal propaganda. <laughs> so, sorry, exciting. We really need to step out of the norm. I know. <laughs> get out of... Get out of our comfort zones. Get out of our comfort zones. Um, all right. I'm going to buy you a Sean Hannity book. Oh, my God. I need a coaster. So <laughs> uh, dissemble that and make little Sean coasters. I'm going to get you that Sean's book and a sixer. Yes. Because you'll need it. And an um, exacto knife so I can make sure that those <laughs> my, <laughs> my Sean circles are exactly the same. JK, LOL. I love you, Sean Hannity. Nope. No, I'm just. I am going to talk about the Borley Rectory. I think that's for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's located in Essex, Essex, England. Okay. Um, it's a tiny little parish town. Mm-hmm. It's um, on the um, east coast of England near the Suffolk bo- border. It was really small and sparsely populated. Okay. Um, I like this sentence. It's a lonely place and would be largely forgotten if not for the fact that it's the location of what became known as the most haunted house in England. Dun, dun, dun. Uh-huh. So this house was completed in 1862. Okay. For those of you who don't know what a rectory is, it's a house uh, for the parish priest and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time at the rectory when I, I was did a kid. Too. Mm-hmm. But not in a weird, gross, no. sexy way. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> The older I get, the more I realize that, like, uh, I just was not uh, cute enough for yeah, no, for, well, like, for it was, a priest to uh, pray on. Me. It was more because, like, my parents were friends with the priest, and so, like, I yeah. would eat, like, gross hard candy, and he would try to overserve them wine. Because mm. that was, like, the only good time he was having, apparently. Anyway. Sure. That's all. <laughs> I was an acolyte. Um, so... The nearby church of uh, Borley itself might be as old as uh, the 1100s. Okay. So um, the previous rectory had burned down. Okay. So anyway, that's kind of a weird thing where like where this house that supports the priest in the church um, was built in 1862, but the church itself, 1100s. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the Borley... Rectory was constructed on Hall Road. Um, it was built by he- Reverend Henry Dawson Ellis Bull in 1862. That's a name. That is a name. Uh, in fact, Reverend Henry Dawson Ellis Bull had 14 kids. Oof. Yeah. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids in that rectory. Um, different than the Catholic Church. The Anglicans can have uh, yeah. wives and kids. They're Catholic light. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Anglican Church was started by Henry VIII, correct? Yes, that's After correct. he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church for constantly divorcing his wives. Not, were... At that point, not constantly. He was excommunicated the first time. Oh, he was? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't... Okay. Yep. Got it. So he basically created his own church and was like... Well, in 1538, he actually had a very big geopolitical reason for doing this. I think a lot of people think, oh, he just wanted to divorce. It's true. Right. He also had syphilis. Um... 
<laughs> so he was a little crazy in the head. A little crazy. But yeah, this is, this is the head of the church that I was brought up in. Um, but he did have a point um, that it was weird for all of Europe to be constantly fighting mm-hmm. and to constantly think that um, heads of state had to defer to the Pope right. as the voice of God. So um, this is important because the English and the Spanish and the French and all of the places kept fighting each other, but all of the heads of state would have to defer to the Pope mm-hmm. and the Pope would often pick sides. Right. So Henry VIII was like, you know what? You don't need to get divorced. Cool. I also don't think that you have a right to tell England what to do politically. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you have a right to take sides in a war. Mm-hmm. So peace. I'm out of here. Peace. I'm out of here. Well, and I'm going to go bone and Boleyn. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and I think too, Whom I adore. We did an episode we, about her. Right. Uh, she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the Anglican Church and in, in the uh, U.S. it is called the um, Episcopalian. Episcopalian. Thank you. Um, which, uh, yeah, jokingly, like as kids, we were like, "That you're just Catholic light. But the reality is that, like, it is kind of like the more progressive aunt, not aunt, like sister to the Catholic Church mm-hmm. where we see priests can get married. They can be female. They can be gay. Like all of these things. And still, like... Um, practice their religion and do so without judgment and fear. And it's so nice. <laughs> I would like to know what that's like to be brought up in that. How was that? Was it nice? Uh, I think the grass is always greener. Now. <laughs> <laughs> what you described sounds lovely. I, what is that religion? I don't know. I think it's lack of. <gasps> what? Um, Anyway, despite local warnings, um, Bull built the rectory on the site believed already to be haunted by locals. Probably because of all those Native Americans, right? <laughs> no, this is the <laughs> one time I never have to mention them. We, we don't have to run. I felt them. obligated to throw them in there at, at some right. point. Because it was on a Native American burial ground. No, we are fortunately okay. in Essex, England at the Borley. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. We're in the local town of Borley. <laughs> Um, the, uh, so the previous house had been destroyed in 1841. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, anyway, the, the style that he built this house in was a large Gothic style. Um, and when I post pictures of it, you'll be like, damn, that already looks haunted. Oh, there's a type of like, so they built it haunted. Well, there's a type of architecture <laughs> that you, you know what I mean? Like when you, yeah. It's sort of like, if you're going to draw a haunted house, you'll be like, oh, that's what that looks like. Yeah. 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 So next time, like, I don't know. It's like the Amityville house. Why would you build a house that has windows that look like eyes? <laughs> yeah, why would you? Like, um, yeah. When I, there's like, go past a house. I'm like, oh, that house looks haunted. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to back it up, but like, that's basically. <laughs> that house never stood a chance. It was always going to be haunted. <laughs> yeah. It's like. It was resurrected haunted. I'm sorry, erected haunted. Resurrected. Resurrected. You're really being Catholic right now. (laughs) Now it's in my brain. So there's two origin stories of why people believe that that this area was already haunted. Uh Um, In one account, it was said that a monk from a nearby 14th century monastery had a relationship with a novice from the local nunnery at Burris. When the legal affair was discovered, the monk was hanged and the nun was bricked up alive oh my God. inside the basement of the priory, oh. which later became the Borley Rectory. Can I just say, first of all, was her name Agnes? It was not. 
as an Agnes of God. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Cause uh, <sighs> she was a she was a novice son. Oh um, right, 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 right. Yeah, and then she got pregnant by God, but really it was the what was it? Well, like the farmhand. Anyway, um, <laughs> don't remember. Uh, being walled up, like buried alive, basically is probably the worst thing I think that could ever happen to anyone. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I. I am have claustrophobia for sure. You you suffocate like how terrible how what a horrible horrible death. Yeah, and you'd have to be tied up and see those bricks going up around you. You'd lose your mind immediately. It ain't nice. Well, and you'd live for a very long time. Right. Many you'd days. You'd starve to death. Yeah. You dehydrate. You'd starve. You'd. It's awful. Oh. God. I would imagine if you got bricked up, you'd probably have like three and a half days to live if you That's didn't like panic and your heart gave out. So cruel. Yeah. It's so incredibly cruel. Want to hear another reason no. why? <laughs> I hate this. Uh, later in the 17th century, which of course was 1600s, mm-hmm. a French nun named Marie Lair left her order in Le Havre and came to England, uh, staying for some time at the same nunnery in Burris. Um, soon, she met and married Henry Waldengrave, owner of the manor home that stood on the site of the Borley Rectory. Oh. In an evening of rage... Waldengrave strangled his wife and buried her in the basement. Jesus. Yeah. What did she do to piss him off? Uh, you know, it's just an evening of rage. Oh. <laughs> so maybe it's she... just his monthly night of rage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the guy just sounds like a <laughs> domestic abuse asshole. He ran out of mead and was yeah. like, "Well, I gotta find some fun somewhere else." Yeah. Yikes, that's terrible. Anyway, so those are those two origin stories. They are going to come back a lot, skis. Okay. Yeah. So the first Hauntons mm-hmm. um, were with the uh, uh, Reverend uh, Henry Dawson Ellis Bull, um, who built the place. Henry Ellis Dawson Bull. That is his full name? Henry Dawson Ellis Bull. Yeah. Oh, okay. We can just call him Bull Senior, because there'll be a Bull Junior coming oh, up here. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, the first paranormal event reportedly occurred in 1863. Uh, a few locals um, talked about being in the house and uh, talked about having heard unexplained footsteps. Okay. The four daughters of the rector, uh, remember he had 14 kids, <laughs> so but four of his daughters uh, reported that they would see a ghost of a nun at twilight. They would say that they would see her near the house and they were actually very excited about it. Remember that this is a time of spiritualism. Mm-hmm. And um, I will say this, the bulls, senior and junior, actually quite liked the fact that they had ghosts. The ghosts did not necessarily bother right. them. Um, and so they, um, the girls would run after the ghosts and try to talk to her, but she would disappear mm-hmm. the well, closer they got. Well, and again, it's another way of like, connecting with your loved ones mm-hmm. after life. Mm-hmm. So you still, you know, think you have that connection with them. So yeah, it was before the exorcist and, and, sure. and the Ouija board and everything just kind of ruined. Ghosts <laughs> yes, exactly. We, we, this was a right. time where people were kind of stoked about ghosts rather than terribly yeah. afraid. Um, the family was shocked. Um, initially when they, um, uh, moved in that the path, through the garden was already well known to the villagers called the nuns walk. So the, the villagers mm-hmm. were like, yeah, dude, we told you <laughs> don't build your house there. Mm-hmm. Um, some say that the nurse became um, something of a nuisance um, that people 
would say that she would startle guests by peering in at them through the windows of the new rectory. <laughs> I'm trying to change here. <laughs> so people would get like the peering ghost. Some privacy, please. Right. Uh, other times a nun would be seen inside the house in the upstairs window peering out. Okay. So who knows these? Um, the deal though, is that while the bulls, the reverend and his family enjoyed the idea of a ghost. Um, his servants, they had lots of servants. Uh-huh. Picture Downton Abbey-esque. And they're super, they're, they're superstitious. Superstitious. Also, probably not Episcopalian. Uh-uh. Um, probably Catholic. Probably. God. They were very superstitious and very afraid, and so the servants would not stay. Okay. Um, they, they had an organist, the local organist. Awesome. <laughs> Ernest Ambrose said that he and the family... Uh, were very convinced that they'd seen several apparitions um, in the uh, house. Okay. Um, another story at that time got put into um, got put into um, people's minds. This is really puzzling to me. I'm not really quite sure how this fits in. It doesn't come up a lot later on, but the um, Locals would say that they would constantly see a phantom coach driven by two headless horsemen driving up to the rectory. These headless horsemen would be seen for the next four decades, and then they would stop being seen. Oh, so I, they would they would be seen from about like 1862 to 1902, and then maybe people just forgot about them, or they stopped. Either they stopped coming around, or people stopped thinking they saw them. Right. So there's a huge investigation that happens later or, that I'll tell you about, or, and these guys don't come up. Or an unknown person found a way to move them on. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, like maybe some... Maybe some the four girls, like, moved them on to... Yeah, maybe they found, like, they did some kind of ritual and got them out of there yeah. so they could do whatever is next. Headless carriage riders, y'all. Yeah. That's fun. Why are they headless? Probably something to do with... Um, being beheaded? Yeah, like I was going to say, either a terrible war or some sort of the terrible... guillotine? Yeah. Well, not in... No, not, not there. there. Yeah. Um, so, Reverend Bull, the senior, died in 1892. His son, then Harry Bull, succeeded his father, and... Um, <laughs> Sorry, it sounds kind of like Harry Bulls. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Sorry. It also just is like a Harry Bull is funny anyway. But well, that's a terrible name. <laughs> Um, so he was the rector from 1892 to 1827. Okay. Back to what I had said earlier. Um, Junior actually loved the ghostly disturbances and treated them like entertainment. And he built a summer (laughs) home overlooking the nun's walk so he could enjoy cigars and watch the spectacle should she choose to come over. Oh my God. He sounds like a person that I absolutely do not want to hang out with (laughs) because he sounds like such a sleaze bag. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot to do. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) um, on June 9th, 1928, Harry Bull died and the rectory became vacant. Um, now in the following year, um, where did all the other kids go? There were 14 of them. Well, they were contemporaneous with him. So they probably died all, all around the same time. Okay. You know, so they he was, like, he, they probably got married and married and, and like all four. Well, I'm sure somebody, some of them died off at yeah, young ages. Sure. And when later on, uh, one of the families that moved in here is actually related to the bulls. Okay. Um, 
So the following year, uh, a new reverend moved in. Guy Eric Smith, Mm -hmm. he and his wife moved into the house. Um, Soon after, Smith's wife, while cleaning out a cupboard, came across a brown paper package containing the skull of a young woman. I'm raising my eyebrows mm-hmm. in surprise, and I think we're about to answer what happened to the rest of the children. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they all lived. <laughs> um, shortly after the package of the skull of the young woman was found, the family reported a variety of incidents, including the sounds of servant bells ringing, despite their being disconnected, lights appearing in windows, and unexplained footsteps. The Headless Horseman is back. Of course. Sam believed she saw a horse-drawn carriage at night. Ooh. Yeah. The Smiths contacted the Daily Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, the Daily Mirror is that old, huh? Yeah. Nice. Asking to be put in touch with the Society for Physical Research, SPR. They are famous. Yes, they are. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I just got really excited. (laughs) (laughs) On June 10th, 1929, the newspaper sent a reporter who promptly wrote the first in a series of uh, articles dealing with the mysteries of Borley. Now, this is a very exciting time in this episode, because I'm going to introduce the Ed Warren of his time, dun-dun-dun, Harry Price. Yes! Here we go. Clap, 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 clap. clap. Harry Price, hero. <laughs> Not quite, but... I mean, to know all. <laughs> so, Harry Price, um, very, very famous, uh, he made a visit to this house. He arrived on uh, June 12th and immediately phenomena of a new kind appeared, such as the throwing of stones, a vase, and other objects. Spirit messages were tapped out from the frame of a mirror, which you would not care for. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. No. Um, and. I'll have none of that. So anyway, listen, so the uh, Harry Price came out there in June of 1929. The Smiths were like, see ya's July 14th of 1929. Okay. Yeah, they were not sticking. Um, the parish had some time had a difficult time replacing them, so since some time passed. Now this last one is so. I, I guess yeah. And, and you might not know this, but I'm assuming that like in the Anglican Church, um, it's not as so based on that. Like in the Catholic Church. Priests are assigned, nuns are assigned basically to a place where it's like, this is where you need to be. So there, do they have a little bit more freedom to like, cause they have families and I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah. I, I figured that, that you might not know that, but yeah, no, that's a good question. Another, another nice freedom. Yeah. <laughs> in the Episcopal church. Anyway. Um, next up were the Foisters and the Foisters, um, are the, <laughs> these names are the best. Uh-huh. They are, uh, the most famous last denizens. Okay. Well, no, there's actually two other people, but these are like the, the last of the reverends. Okay. That live there. Uh, the next victims were Reverend Lionel Foister and his wife, Marianne. Okay. Uh, it was during their stay that Borley Rectory, um, uh, became its most famous. Um, they had the appearance of automatic writing on the walls of the home. Oh, yeah. Now this is you when things like really, yeah, things okay. really ramped up. So, um, uh, within this, within the auspices of spiritualism, there's this idea of automatic writing, um, where you talk to, um, a ghost or a ghost takes over your body and then you write messages. And so your hand sort of moves automatically and you're not really quite even sure what you're doing. 
and you may not even have consciousness as as you do right. it. So who exactly was doing it? Was it everybody in the house, or was it targeting specific people? It was tar- targeting specific okay. people. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and it the, was on the walls, you said? On the walls. Okay. Yeah. So the writings contain pleas for help from Mary Lair, Lare, often addressed specifically to Marianne. Okay. Remember that second origin story of that mm-hmm. French lady? Yeah. Um, the writings would say things like, Marianne, please get help. And Marianne, light mass prayers. And, um, there would be other varying pleas for help from Mary, for Marianne Foister to help out this dead lady. So this was an intelligent ghost. Like this is an intelligent haunting mm-hmm. where this ghost knew the people that were residing. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, cause a lot of times just to, sorry, a lot of times when we're talking about these hauntings, we talk about resonant energy, it's, renas- it's resonant energy. So like, um, you know, the stuff that like the Winchester mansion is a really good example of that. Like a lot of stuff people experience there is just like those imprints, like that energy that's left behind from like some kind of traumatic experience. So the intelligent hauntings, if they, if they do exist, um, are very rare. And so this is very cool. Sorry. Uh I just had to like get my thing in there. While the Foisters tried to erase and even paint over the writing, but it, it persisted. Cool. Mm-hmm. Marianne was often victimized by violence. She was thrown from her bed at night. Sometimes she was slapped by invisible hands. She was often forced to dodge heavy objects which flew at her day or night. So this is like poltergeist stuff. A little bit. And she was once almost suffocate, suffocated with a mattress. A mattress? A mattress. So the mattress that she was sleeping on lifted up. Don't know. How does that work? I don't know. Maybe it flipped her over and tried to suffocate her Maybe the she other was way. Shoving her money underneath the mattress. <laughs> she got be. trapped underneath. So prior to this, like it had all been um, fun and games, and the yeah. Smiths got there, and they were like, "No, this place is awful. We hate it." And then Marianne got there, and it could be it could be that Marianne was really open, and yeah. so the ghost communicated with her. Uh, it will come up later that Marianne was probably a conduit yeah, for the ghost. But I think, like, the slapping thing is something that we see often with um, poltergeists. Yeah. Saw it with the Bell Witch. Um, and now I'm, like, blanking on some other things, but uh, off the top of my head. But I feel like that's a common occurrence. Yep. That that sort of, yeah, noisy ghost behavior, the throwing of objects. and Yeah, it's mischievous. Uh, windows would shatter spontaneously. Uh, strange music would be heard from the nearby church. Furniture was reported to move on its own. Communion wine. <laughs> Don't waste that. <laughs> this one sounds so silly, but whatever, we'll do it. Communion wine would unaccountably turn into ink. Oh, that is so upsetting. Yeah, transubstantiation into ink. That oh, is my goodness. so upsetting. What a waste. Right. Re- uh, Reverend Foister tried many times to exercise the house. Without results. He kept logs of the incidents, which he mailed to Harry Price. Well, if we know anything from the last episode, only a Catholic priest can perform an exorcism. You're right. And this is where he failed. Mm-hmm. He should have reached out to his <laughs> old buddy, Father Father Clarence. Yeah, sure. From down the street. I don't know. Um, Price said the Foisters reported as many as 2,000 events. 2,000? How long That's were they there? 
Um, I, that's crazy. They got there in 1930. 2,000 events? And, let's see. When did they leave? It's, it's okay. I think I have it in here somewhere. How many children do they have? The Foisters? Yeah. They had one. Okay. Yeah. How um, old was this child, and was it a female? And was she it was a female. Pe- was she on her period? And she was not, I don't think. <laughs> but um, sometimes a child would... Um, was she going through the change? I don't think so. Um, sometimes a child would be locked um, oh. in, a, in a door, or like locked behind a door that had not been locked before, and they would have a hard time getting to her. Oh, man. Yeah. Straight out, of, straight out of a horror movie. Finally, the rector had had enough after all that time, after 2,000 events. <laughs> That's always my favorite line of dialogue. <laughs> We've had enough. <laughs> you would, like, now I have this, like, image of, like, the 2,000, the 2,000th event, and, like, streamers <laughs> are, like, confetti is coming down, balloons are coming down, and he's like, That's it! You're the 2,000th event. You get a free mattress that might suffocate you. <laughs> We're done here. Oh, man. Yeah, it takes people a long time. It took the Smiths like a year. It took the Foisters uh, quite some time. No. Um. So then, this is where we get into like, some of the hot and heavy Harry Price stuff. So I'm talking mostly about the hauntings. Later on, we'll talk about some of you might know what's coming, but I don't know. Noel, do you know what's coming? Um, I have a few theories, but I okay. like to save it as a surprise. Yay. Well, the Foisters left, and Price himself rented the Borley Rectory. That's right. Yeah, he did. He advertised for 48 volunteer researchers to come and stay in the house with him and help record the Supernatural episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The advertisement read as such. Would you like to hear it? Yes, I would. Haunted House. Responsible persons of leisure and intelligence, intrepid, critical, and unbiased, are invited to join Rota of Observers in a year's <laughs> night and day investigation of alleged haunted house in home counties. Printed instructions supplied, scientific training, or ability to operate simple instruments, an advantage. House situated in lonely hamlet, so one so own car is essential. Write box H dot nine eight nine The Times EC four. I'm just, uh, I'm looking up a picture of Harry Price, uh, because I couldn't remember what he looked like, and he's wonderful. Yeah. He's um, great. Yeah. <laughs> he's got, like, this picture of him smoking a pipe with all of these gadgets around him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that weirdo look. He um, doesn't actually, like, he looks like a professor, I think. Like, I think he looks like an um, actual, like, non-weirdo. Legit. Like a, he's, look at this, he's wearing a lab coat. Like, he is a doctor. Yes. <laughs> Although he was not. He was maybe not. Price coined the idea of the ghost hunter's kit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He used tape measures <laughs> to check the thickness of the walls uh, and to search for hidden chambers. He perfected the use of still cameras for indoor and outdoor photography. He brought in remote control motion picture cameras. Uh, he put to use fingerprinting kits. And he even used portable telephones for contact between investigators. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they were two cans connected by a string. <laughs> he called them an e-meter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Borley Rectory was often referred to as the Sea Org. <laughs> um, this concept was later borrowed by one L. Ron Hubbard. Laron. Laron Lafayette. Ron Hubbard. 
Oh, man. Um, anyway, we're going back to the reality here of, uh, <laughs> along with Price's uh, best friends and fellow researchers, Sydney and Helen Glanville, Price conducted seances using a planchette, yes. a writing implement held by seance participants. We know that from the Ouija board episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, two spirits most often manifested themselves during these seances. Uh, one was Marie Lair, the most vocal of the spirits. She would tell her woeful story. I like the way that that comes across of like, ugh, she came so often and she would just tell the same fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> like, we get it. Your husband killed you. <laughs> and she's like, I need some fucking help. And they're like, ugh. here she is again. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Right. So she would, uh, in this night of rage. Yeah. It is night of rage. She explained that she was condemned to wander until her bones could receive a proper burial, proper Christian burial. So what they really needed to do was dig up the basement. Well, hang on. Okay. But yes, you're correct. But instead they were annoyed and rolling their eyes at her. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Here's Marie again. Oh my God. Can you like imagine like she pops it and they're like, like, could you just, Maybe it's step to the side. Step to the side. We want to and hear from this other spirit. Give us a minute, okay? Well, there was another spirit. And his name was Sunex. S-U-N-E-X. Amures. A-M-U-R-E-S. Sunex Amures. He warned, when they finally spoke with him, that he would burn down the rectory that very night. Oh, And man. that the bones of a murder victor, victim would be revealed in the wreckage. <gasps> it didn't happen. So the that, rectory did not burn down the okay. night that he came to them, but it did burn down 11 months after this ghost, Sunex Amir's visit them. Wow. Yeah. Do they know what caused the fire? We do. Coming up next. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll stop. No, you're great. Um, after that year in the house, Price. <laughs> <a> Harry Price. <laughs> I'll show them. Uh, Price left the house and Gregson moved in. Um, the new homeowner was Captain W.H. Gregson. He was unpacking. I mean, talk about like your bad luck, right? You're barely new to your home. Yeah. He was unpacking and accidentally overturned an oil lamp. No. Yeah. He started a fire that destroyed the whole building. Wait, this was in the thirties and we're still no electricity. Um, it was because Harry Price moved in in the thirties. Let's see. So, yes, the Foisters. So the Smiths left in 1929. The Foisters were there for a while. Price moved in. Must have been early 30s. Okay. I'm a, I, I know I have a date coming up here in a second. No, no, no. It's fine. I'm just, I guess, I guess that makes sense that there, you know, wasn't necessarily electricity well, there. And the house was built in 1863, so it would have taken a lot of uh, cashola to electrify the whole place. Yeah, and they're going through the Depression. and 1862, it was completed. And there was World War One, and then there was a Depression. Yeah, okay. The giant house, so they might have been even saving money if they did have electricity and all the things. I'm not actually sure. Mm-hmm. But he was using an oil right. lamp. During the Inferno, onlookers from the town came, and they spotted a nun in one of the windows. <gasps> There she is. Yes. Afterward, uh, the rubble was demolished. And then actually the bricks were reused for the war effort, leaving a bare hole in the ground. Okay. Mm -hmm. Way to repurpose. Uh, Harry Price took advantage of an unfortunate opportunity and excavated the basement. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the bones of a young woman were found. Marie? Um, don't know. But they were found and reburied in a nearby cemetery at Liston in 1943. <laughs> and then Marie kept, like, reappearing. She was like, no, that wasn't me. Go back. Well, here's the thing. So say, after nearly a century of haunting, Marie Lair was finally at rest. The nun's walk found peace, and the legend of the most haunted house in England came to an end. But really not. That was it. They buried her, and the, the house burned down. They, they took up the bones, they buried her, and that was it for their hauntings. Or was it? <laughs> I just keep waiting for, like... Well, let's talk about that. We can't be done. Well, we're done with the with the hauntings, but let's talk. Oh. I know, it's so exciting. But let's talk about Harry Price. <laughs> Please. Because let's. he was a very controversial figure. Yeah. He, this is so, the Borley Rectory is the most famous haunting that he ever did. Mm-hmm. He, he, in fact, lived there with all those researchers, which is hilarious mm-hmm. to me. Um, it sounds a bit like the house on Haunted Hill. Uh, I don't know if they took reference from that when, when they wrote that. I'm not even sure. Um... I don't know. <laughs> like, moving to a haunted house with a crazy man, like, running your expedition. That sounds... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could... it Yeah, it's entirely possible it was based off of this. Don't know. Um, Price was born in uh, 1881. He died in 1948. He joined the Society for Physical Research, the SPR, in the 1920s. And because of his knowledge in conjuring, had debunked fraudulent mediums. That's right. He was actually a magician. Of course he was. His whole background was being a magician, and he's really good friends with your one and only... Harry Houdini. He was. Yep, that yeah. was his best friend. Um, unlike Houdini, um, he actually endorsed some of the mediums that he believed to be genuine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they kind of had a bit of a falling out because Price got really into the ghost of says, whereas Harry Houdini was like, you're being sucked in. Right. No, thank you. Yep. So Price... Um, Remember every step of the way that he actually was not a scientist. He was a magician. That's kind of important. Okay, Price formed an organization in 1926 called the National Laboratory of Physical Research. I suppose if you lived in Britain, you would say National Laboratory of Physical Research. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a rival to the, society for, to the Society of Physical Research. So he took on the SPR with his own group, the NLPR. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he did not want to be a member of the SPR anymore. Okay. What do you want to, what do you do when a group can't handle your shimmy? You start your own. You start your own group. Um, if you can't hang, you just start over. <laughs> you just do. Yeah. You I mean, do you. This for the, all of our sort of like, uh, right. charismatic leaders, they have a tendency to join something and then yeah. move on. Um, okay. So, uh, Price was an expert magician. He was a member of the British organization, the Magic Circle, and he'd already been a proven hoaxer. Um, He had done an elaborate uh, photography stunt depicting, this was um, uh, acknowledged as being a fraud, a big fraud. Uh, He had uh, staged this elaborate photography hoax depicting a ghost looking over his shoulder with his friend William Hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, Harry Price also went on the road with a fake statue of Hercules. Um, people sort of treated him like P.T. Barnum, sort of. Um, like that picture? Yes, like we'll, that. We'll post those. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, he exhibited a fake silver ingot from the reign of the Roman 
Emperor Honorius. Honorius, sorry, I'm a weirdo. Um, meaning I can't pronounce things. Uh, he showed gold coins from the kings of Sussex in a bone carved with hieroglyphics. They all proved to be fake. But he, he achieved his greatest uh, notoriety from uh, Borley. He actually wrote three books about Borley Rectory. Okay. Uh, one called The Most Haunted House in England, one mm -hmm. called Poltergeist Over England, and one called The End of the Borley Rectory. Okay. So, um, told you all the hauntings, but let's talk about all the debunkings. Oh. I know. We can't have nice things. Um, the legend of the nun bricked up in the cellar that so frightened the Bull family. Turns out that that maybe wasn't a local legend, that it actually came from a novel that the Bull children owned. Um, there was a writer called Ryder Haggard. Okay. Which sounds like a really fake name. Writer mm -hmm. <laughs> Haggard. Um, anyway, Reverend Bull used to read this chilling tale to his children. And that tale included a nun being uh, bricked up in a cellar. But, uh, but in the story you told before, it was the priest that had, or the, the rector that was walled up, not the nun, right? No, the rector was hanged. The rector was hanged. The, the reverend nun. was hanged and the nun was walled up. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Um, Here's another... That is a story he read to his children. Well... Let's just say that again. That is a story <laughs> that he read to his children. Yeah. About a person... Oh, please. Your child has seen so many more horror movies than any other alive. child in Untrue. America. Untrue. <laughs> Untrue. <laughs> That's... No, that... Like, no way. That's horrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like... Reading the legend of Sleepy Hollow to someone. I don't know that... I don't know. Okay. I guess. Ugh. Um, well, he, this may... I mean, it, you, you could think that it was like the legend of Borley, uh -huh. this, the village itself, right. for all those years from the... Um, I think the story first originated in the 1300s, or it could be that the children had wild imaginations from the 1860s. Right. Took this story literally and exacerbated the ghost. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, Reverend and Mrs. Smith, they actually said, remember they're the ones who weren't there for very long? Right. They said they did not leave because of hauntings. <laughs> they left because of uh, the house's horrible condition and its prehistoric plumbing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they were the ones who were only there for like a year and they I were mean, like, fuck this place. I get that. Yep. So that might be with this whole, like, uh, horrible condition and prehistoric plumbing. Maybe the reasons why there were, like, candles and all this stuff. It was just a big old big old house that hadn't really been brought up to date. Uh-huh. Um, Marianne Foister, you know, from um, Help Me, Marianne, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> stated that she believed that many of the strange incidents were being staged by her husband working in league with Harry Price. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Harry Price countered this argument by saying that Marianne herself was consciously or unconsciously causing the incidents. Mm -hmm. um, stating She's that the events on her menstrual period. Sure. Menstruation. <laughs> um, stating She's that the having her lady time. She does. She's not in her right mind. Right. Oh, Marianne. Anyway, he said that the events only happened when she was around. Okay. But then it's like, of course you would, if you were going to not prank someone, but mm -hmm. if you were going to orchestrate something that was to be reported, somebody had to be around. Right. So. 
Right. That to me is um, snake eating its own tail. Uh huh. Um, there's a lot of confusion over the automatic writing. Okay. <clears throat> um, Glanville's seances, those were Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Harry Potter? <laughs> oh my God, this story just got so much more exciting. I did No, Harry Price's friends. Um, they actually used rolls of wallpaper. Okay. To capture the writings of their planchette. And there's like this idea that maybe the wall, why they use wallpaper rolls weren't really clear. Um, people are like, Oh, it could be as simple as like wallpaper rolls were the largest paper that was handy. And you could easily like, yeah, like, write a whole bunch of shit on it. Yeah. But other people are like, well, what if in, what if they wrote a whole bunch of stuff on the wallpaper roll, uh-huh. rolled it back up. And then when they unrolled it, it was like, Oh, there's automatic writing. Okay. So there could have been a trick in there. So nobody really witnessed them actually doing the... Well, that's... It's, doing the automatic writing. But people like, did. In the moment, yeah. But people are also well automatic, not to be trusted. Yeah, automatic writing is also, like, an easy thing to fake. Right. Well, then, there's the other thing where... Um, where is this? Okay. So the story of automatic writing... Uh, there are reports where people watched... And, um, they thought it appeared to be nothing more than a misinterpretation of the reports of, um, uh, okay. Here's what I mean to say. People watched and they saw, but when they went up to read, they saw that it was like almost completely illegible. Okay. Um, and so when it was reported back that it was like, help me, Marianne, light prayer candles, Marianne. Mm -hmm blah, 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 the people who had seen it were like, wait a second, though. I was there. And it right. was like, it was weird, and it was like, it was phenomenal, and it was mm-hmm. awesome, but it was mostly like illegible scratches that weren't really yeah. English. It's more squiggly. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, on one side, you have people who are like, oh, it was it was already placed in the wallpaper, and it was legible, and there are other people who are like, no, 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 I was there um, illegible. Got it. Okay. So this is really up for grabs, everybody. Um, <laughs> when the Borley Rectory burned down, the insurance company actually decided it was not an accident. They decided it was arson. And that Captain Gregson, the one of the tipping over the oil lamp and burning down Borley Rectory. I remember. Yeah. That he was, in fact, an arsonist. Oh. Yeah. What other arsons has he committed do we oh, know no i I didn't, I didn't look into it oh okay just this one but there must have been reason for them to suspect that sure i think because it was the insurance company that they had reason to suspect that <laughs> when you buy a mansion and you are unpacking your shit and then you burn it right. down <laughs> uh i don't want to cause alarm but this is the fifth fire that sure. Captain Gregson has reported in three years. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but the, the insurance company was on him. Right. Um, so let's talk about the bones really fast. Um, going back to that skeleton. Uh-huh. So this is like in general. Then we'll talk about after the fire, the excavation. But the skull that Mrs. Smith found, I don't know if you remember that part. I do. Uh, many people attributed to being a victim of the 1654 plague. Um, many at that time, so many people died that um, 
victims were often crudely buried in the ground and later became like part of the garden or mm-hmm. part of part just um, would surface. Mm-hmm. Um, one could they suppose, help the flowers grow. Yeah, <laughs> it's good for the soil, right? Um, so many people though dying of the Black Plague that um, you would not be alone if you found a dead body in your backyard. Got it. Kind of like Lincoln Park Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Or we're talking about like when, whenever people were building a home, people would be like, oh, there's a corpse in my <laughs> in my uh, land plot. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this used to be a cemetery. That's, that's a thing. It's fine. Um, in fact, it was so common that skulls and bones be found on the property that they were routine, routinely buried in the churchyard. Jesus. They would just be like. Oh, there's a skull or there's a whatever, and they'd be just, they just have a hole where they just like drop everything. They'd receive, in. No, they'd actually receive a Christian burial. Oh, that's to make sure that, that ghostesses nice. would not okay. happen. That's nice. Well, and it's interesting because this will come up. Um, Gregson, the arsonist, was instrumental. Uh, alleged. Alleged. <laughs> um, no, I think he was. Was convicted. I well, the insurance company determined it. Alleged. So, okay. Um, he was instrumental in organizing Price's excavation. And that might, be, been, might have been part of it, is that one of the ghosts said the house would burn down. Mm-hmm. And so right when that dude moved in, the house burned down. They're like, oh, look, the ghost predicted it 11 months right. later. Maybe not on the right day, but the, the ghost did burn the house down. And there were bones found in the cellar. Um, Price's discovery of the bones have been the subject of debate. Critics have questioned the likelihood of Price turning up bones in a single search in only a few hours when other searchers, both before and after Price's excavation, came up empty-handed, despite far more digging. Right. <laughs> they also questioned the uh, fortuitous presence of a pathologist and a barrister, and a barrister to certify the remains. That's right. Harry Price was so sure that he would find bones in... I guess an expedient manner that he brought with him a pathologist and a barrister. I mean, so they stood round. Maybe he dug for like an hour and then they were like, Oh yeah, they're bones. <laughs> he looks just like taps on something. Like <laughs> I think we got something. Uh, yeah. So he was either really sure of himself and found exactly what he was looking for, or he might've just been like, uh, ready to right. have a witness, have two witnesses to be like, Whoa, Harry Price found these bones. Um, Here's the deal. So this makes the story even more confusing. But the two, there were two gardeners who actually did the digging. Uh, one was named Johnny Palmer, and the other one was Mr. Jackson. Um, and they said that there was only one bone that they found, and it was pig's jawbone. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously Harry Price is going to dig <laughs> himself. In case people are wondering, like, did he get out of shovel right. and dig that shit? No, he did not. But he has people. Yeah, he had these two dudes. Um. You might ask yourself, well, if they found these bones at Borley, I don't know if you remember me saying that um, uh, the ghost got herself a Christian burial in Liston. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. I said it uh, maybe about 20 minutes ago. Oh, but, no. About the bones getting a Christian burial? No. Um, way Liston. back when I was talking about the uh, Marie Leo, mm-hmm. that the, when they found her bones, they buried her in Liston. Oh, okay. Well, looking into that, one might ask themselves... Um, Wait, Borley Rectory is right by Borley Church, which is right by Borley Graveyard. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't they just like put them in the Borley Cemetery? Well, mm-hmm. because the Borley Cemetery said you can't bury pigs' bones here. 
And so <laughs> they actually gave, well, the, of course, they gave the nun uh, a Christian burial in the Liston churchyard two miles away from Borley because they presented the bones as uh, what they were. And the people in Liston were like, yeah, I mean, you, you can, everybody deserves a Christian burial. So they buried her there. Okay. So, but the people of Borley were already on to Harry Price. Okay. Uh, the final analysis from SPR, which is the group that um, Price had broken off mm-hmm. from, in 1948, they said, one, there are no verifiable, verifiable events that could not have had natural explanations. Two, that Harry Price's duplicity made it hopeless to determine the valid- validity excuse me, of his findings. And three, the most popularized events were caused by Harry Price himself. They even debunked specific episodes such as light often seen in one of the rectory's upper windows. Um, they uh, proved that it coincided with the reflected headlight of a regularly ske- scheduled train. Also, you know how I am about, like, scandal. Mm-hmm. This is so exciting. I only found it in one place, so I don't necessarily know if I can fully verify it. But Marianne Foister mm-hmm. said years later, remember poor Marianne, help me Marianne, mm-hmm. um, said she made the whole thing up so she could have an affair. <gasps> With who? <laughs> With, With Harry Price? No. She later admitted she was having a sexual relationship with the lodger, Frank Peerless. And she used the paranormal explanations to cover up her liaisons. How? I don't, I don't know. Understand. Maybe by locking her daughter in a room and saying that, oh, poor Annabelle was locked in this room and I couldn't get her. Maybe she was stepping oh. Frank Peerless. Frank Peerless? I know. Wow. So, yeah. I, I guess she, you know, if maybe he like put, a, put his hands on her or something and her husband would be like, what is on your body? She could be like, I don't know, a ghost. <laughs> I got slapped around by a ghost. Right. What are those scratch marks on your back? <laughs> yeah, they're ghost marks. Ghost marks. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, it's, I don't condone that behavior, but that's it's great. awesome. Yeah. Right? Um, so, one other famous case. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying this one just because it's gross and it deals with something you fucking hate, and that's ghost children. Oh, God. So there's another another famous case um, that Harry Price is really like known for, um, called the case of Rosalie. Do you know this one? I don't think so. Price claimed to attend a private séance on the 15th of December 1937. This has nothing to do with Borley Rectory. This is just a totally different case, in which a small six-year-old girl named Rosalie appeared. Price wrote he controlled the room by placing starch powder over the floor, locking the door, and taping the windows before the séance. However, starch powder, everybody knows it's salt. <laughs> well, I think it was just to see, like, if oh, there were footprints. footprints. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. During the seance, the uh, price claimed a small girl emerged. Nope. Yes. She spoke, and he took her pulse. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Price was um, suspicious that the supposed spirit of the child was no different than a human being. But after the seance had finished, the starch powder was undisturbed and none of the seals had been removed from the windows. Price was convinced no one had entered the room and a little girl had actually come to them. He was able to touch her physical body uh, during the seance. He touched her physical body. That's what he said. He said he took her pulse. 
bullshit. She it was, was act- in fact bullshit. Because <laughs> she was a live girl. Uh, there are two minds of this, about okay. what kind of bullshit that it says. But that's kind of a cool story, though. It is. It was- it would have freaked me out so hard. You put me in a seance table, and all of a sudden, a little girl like comes out of nowhere, like from wherever. Right, because she was hiding underneath the table, table or cabinet every, or yeah. whatever, and everyone like the lights are off, and like this little girl shows up. I would have lost my fucking mind. Well, I would have too. <laughs> it's awful. Like a six-year-old comes, in, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no. Um. Anyway, I, this certainly comes as a surprise, as a surprise. But the Rosalie investigation was later debunked. Well, yeah. Um, some say Price made the whole thing up. Like, it just never happens. But one woman came out and said that she was the little girl who acted as Rosalie. Of course. (laughs) That her father urged her to do so, um, either to prove life after death to Harry Price, or that her father owed money to somebody, and they said that they, if they, if this little girl did that, that then, that debt would be clean, 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 or cleared. So, um... Apparently, again, it's either that it never happened or didn't happen that way, or actually this little girl did do that, mm-hmm. but we'll never know. In conclusion, <laughs> Price was uh, Ed Warren of his time, which is yeah. exciting. But um, the difference between Harry Price and Ed Warren is Harry Price had magic and really could do all of this shit. Slide of hand. Slide yeah. of hand. He was um, Houdini is one of Houdini's best friends, and he could. He can manipulate a room. Right. So there are a lot of people like with the stones and the moving objects and all that stuff where they, uh, automatic writing where they were mm-hmm. constantly looking at him because he had spent so much of his career debunking these spiritualists right. that he learned every trick in the book and he was doing the same. Mm-hmm. So he was a savvy businessman. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was so famous and so popular and so interesting that it actually took uh, a very long time to debunk most of his findings. People were still debunking them in the uh, 2000s. Right. It took that long. Yep. And he died in 1948. Uh, most recently, I'm just going to give a little pitch for my girl, Mary Roach. You know Mary Roach. Yeah, sure do. She wrote a book. She's a journalist who specializes in science writing, but she wrote a book called Spook. Mm-hmm. And she actually wrote about um, Harry Price and Spook. If you want to pick that up, um, I-, I like this book. Uh, it is her attempt to find out... Um, Sorry, I'll just read the blurb. In an attempt to find out, Mary Roach brings her tireless curiosity to bear on an array of contemporary and historical soul searchers, scientists, schemers, engineers, mediums, all trying to prove or disprove that life goes on after we die. So if you're interested in the intersectionalism of science and spirits, um, pick up Mary Roach's spook. It's an interesting read. Yeah. Yeah. So, Noelle, that's all I got for you. Harry Price and the Borley Rectory. I liked it. I liked it very much. <laughs> England's most haunted. Most Boost. haunted. Um, I want to go ahead and give a special shout out to uh, Antihero IPA. Oh, yeah. Can I? No, I wanted to ask a quick question sure. before we go back to our booze. Um, have there been reports, and maybe, did I miss this? Have there been reports about the land and, like, any sightings, anything since the building burned down? Not that I can tell. Okay. I was looking at that. And actually, I did... Um, did they rebuild? I'm assuming they built over... Not on the same place. Oh, okay. So I was looking at... Um, I, this came probably from about 10 different references, this document that I put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started looking at Borley proper. 
after I did all this stuff. It's actually really a beautiful little town. Mm -hmm. And they, um, it is, it's it's quite in the sticks. Um, and they do nothing to, um, cherish the story in any way. Gotcha. Okay. So it's not like, it doesn't seem as though the town itself has any interest in. They'd like to move on. In keeping this up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from what I can tell since this whole Harry Price fiasco and the Mm -hmm. rector and the Borley rectory and it being the most haunted place in England, they had a lot of people come out and try to see it and try to do all this horse shit. People of Borley were finally like, you know what? Like we, we got hoaxed. (laughs) You got hoaxed. We prefer Borley not be right. Gotcha. It reminded me a little bit of, um, uh, Amityville. Yeah. You know, like they're so well known for this thing and they're like, um, we are just a really nice town on Long Island. Would you rather not be known for? Please leave us alone. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. So Borley just seems like a really, really, really nice small town mm-hmm. uh, on the East coast of England. That's like, what? A who's a what? <laughs> gotcha. Who's okay. this guy? What's this thing? Um, but if you know more, I would actually ask you if you're from Borley, we actually have a, a ton of English listeners. Yeah. So thank if, you so much for listening to this. I, I mean, I always say to Noel, I have no idea why people do listen to this. <laughs> How do you find <laughs> us? But no, thank you for listening. And yeah, like, please let us know. Yeah. High spirits, Chicago at gmail.com. If you know, if you're from Borley, um, you can also find us on Facebook, High Spirit Chicago Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, High Spirit Chicago Podcast. And, of course, um, our main place that people listen to us is SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's not true. I- iTunes is where people listen to us, but SoundCloud is kind of our hub. Yes. I was just looking through our, like, yeah, our analytics. Yeah, it goes through both, but, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, you can do um, both. You can do both. Um, most people start in the SoundCloud in their search, and then they find us on iTunes. Correct. So that's how... So that's how that works. So mm-hmm. we're on uh, SoundCloud at High Spirit Chicago Podcast. Correct. So I would like to thank my sponsor, as always, Revolution Brewery. You do so much to keep me looped, um, looped up and looped in. Uh, <laughs> I would like to thank Ghost Pines Cabernet. It's not at all spooky. No. No. Looked delicious as you were drinking it. So good. Yeah. Um, Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to High Spirits. We'll catch you next time. Uh, In the meantime, my friend Noelle has one last final thing to say to you. Sweet dreams.